Our scripture reading this morning is from John 13, 1 through 9, 12 through 17, and 34 through 35. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Would you pray with me? Lord God, help us turn our hearts to you and hear what you will speak. For you speak peace to your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be glad in it. It's week two of online church, and I've got to say it feels still a little bit strange. I'm sure it feels that way for you. We're we're used to being together in the sanctuary, in the building, seeing each other, giving uh, hugs or shaking hands, uh, exchanging stories and updates about what's going on in our lives, meeting new people, checking in with old friends. Uh, and, and, And because of what's going on in the world, we're not allowed to do that. But we can still... We can still have the assurance that, that the Lord is with us. Uh, and, and even though it's a little bit strange for us, uh, Matthew 18, Jesus promises us this, that where two or three are gathered together in his name, that he'll be there. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, he will be there. And, and what that means is that even though we're not together in the same room, Jesus is present with us, literally, And in a sense, we are connected to each other through his spirit. We are still together as a part of the body of Christ. And and the coronavirus is not going to change that. God is still God. Jesus is still present with us. And we are still a part of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, through the bond of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's been really encouraging for me to see how people are trying to make the best of of, of this world that we're living in, all the craziness that we're experiencing uh, people are, for example, reaching out to each other. I see this a lot on social media, exchanging photos or videos, updates, memes, things that will encourage or inform or, or just to share a laugh because laughter truly is, as they say, the best medicine. People are look, looking for ways to connect, to encourage and say, hey, we can get through this. We can do this. We're in this together. Now, you might have noticed uh, that I brought a, a friend up with me today to kind of help me with the message and um, 
His name is Teddy. We're not real creative in our house. We just call him Teddy. And, and I wanna, Teddy wanted me to share a couple of, of, of puns with you, and I hope that you bear with me. Uh, the first one is, what do you call a bear with, with no teeth? A gummy bear. Okay. Uh, how does a bear catch fish without a pole? With his bare hands. And this last one is kind of a generational pun. Uh, people of a certain age probably will not get this, but why did God create Yogi Bear? Because on his first try, he, he made a, a boo-boo. Okay, there we go. I didn't say they were good, but you can blame it on, on, on Teddy. He asked me to share those with you today. And you're wondering, why does Pastor Doug have a teddy bear up front? Well, maybe you've noticed as you've driven around Salina, as you've looked in certain windows or on front porches, you've seen teddy bears. And I guess this is happening all over the world in certain parts of the world. And, and people are, it's based upon a book, a children's book by Michael Rosen called We're Going on a Bear Hunt. And it's a way for people to encourage each other to say, hey, hey, we're in this together. And so parents are taking their kids on walks or driving around the city and, and looking for bears, sort of a, a bear scavenger hunt. Uh, my wife, this, I, I plucked this bear off our front porch this morning, so I hope my wife doesn't think that somebody stole it today. But uh, I read, I, so I, after I heard about this, I looked up something, articles on it. And in an article on Time Magazine, it says this. It's a way of communicating with other people while you're still safe in your family isolation. It's like a silent visual message that families get to send to each other from their windows. And it says, hey, we're all in this together. I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. It reminds us that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, and we're all going through this together. No matter whatever you're going through in life, whether um, at any time of life, whether it's you're facing an illness or a problem in a relationship or struggles at work or struggles with your finances or whatever it might be, it's always helpful, isn't it, to know that somebody understands. That somebody says, hey, I know what you're going through. I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. It doesn't make the situation go away, but it strengthens us in some way. it's, It's encouraging to know that somebody stands with us and that they understand. And that's what I see happening uh, in, in our world, that kind of solidarity and in, in our community as well. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should, be, we should be on the leading edge of this because we have the added assurance from our scriptures that God is with us as well. And that he's in this with us. We're not alone. I mean, that's part of what the, the incarnation is all about. The incarnation is this teaching in the Bible that, that God sent Jesus Christ to earth. And that when Jesus came to earth, he was fully divine, fully God, but he was also fully human. Like you and me, he could experience, um, uh, he could experience pain and, and, and grief and, and, and fear and all these things. And what that means for us is that God understands because he's been there and he's still with us. And then Jesus coming to earth was God's way of saying to the human race, hey, we're all in this together. I'm, I'm with you and I'm for you. And so as Christians, we've got the chance to, to share that message, that assurance with the people around us who are isolated and, frankly, scared to death. So what does that look like? Well, in all things, we look to Jesus for our example and our inspiration. And so that's what we're going to do today. We've been working our way through portions of John these past few weeks. And today we come to the passage that Katie read for us, portions of John chapter 13. And it's a powerful, powerful chapter. I think you're going to find it encouraging and and challenging. 
And the setting is it's the night before Jesus goes to the cross and Jesus is gathered together with the 12 disciples. The, the 12 disciples were these 12 guys that he had, he had chosen to travel with and to live with for three years. He's been pouring into their lives. And it says here that they gather together to celebrate the Passover feast. And the Passover feast is, is, is something that's still celebrated by the Jewish people today every year. And it's used to, to remember their deliverance out of slavery, out of Egypt. Let's pick it up in, in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. So Jesus' example here for us is he steadfastly and unwaveringly loved to the very end. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be said about you at the end of your life? To put on your tombstone, he, she loved to the very end. At the end of your life to say he or she, they loved people to the very end. He loved his family, his friends, his classmates, his co-workers. She loved the person at Dillon's, the stranger on the street, the people at the gym. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be said about us? He or she loved to the very end. Well, that's what Jesus did. So let's pick it up again. It says Jesus knew the hour had come. In other words, he knows that the time has come for him to go to the cross. And it would have been very understandable if Jesus had said something like this. You know, these last three years, they've, they've been about you guys. I've poured into you. We've laughed. We've cried. I've scolded you. I've corrected you. I've encouraged you. I've, we, we've shared all these experiences together, but I've, it's all been about you. And I've wanted it that way. I have no regrets. It's about you. I've wanted to prepare you for the time when I would leave. But there's a couple hours before I have to do this really really excruciating thing. Can maybe for just a couple hours, could we make it about me? That would have been understandable. Jesus could have said, you know, I want to feast on my favorite foods. Um, Could you guys set up an appointment at the local spa? Could you, could you bring in some great musicians and play my favorite songs? It would have been very understandable if Jesus had said, you know, just for once, could you, could you make it about me? But Jesus chose this time, it says. He chose to use this time, knowing what was going to come in the next few hours, to show them how much he loved them. He loved them to the very end. Pick it up at verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. This feels a little bit strange to us because we typically don't wash each other's feet. I mean, if you have children, I mean, you wash their feet until they're old enough to do that, and then you don't do it again, right? Uh, Perhaps if somebody is uh, incapacitated in some way, and unable to do that when they're older, we'll do that for a while. But when people can, but when they're able to wash their feet again, we let them do it. It's just kind of a little too intimate and too, a little uncomfortable to wash another grown-up's, another adult's feet. But in Jesus' day, this was not unusual. In fact, it was, it was customary. People wore sandals, and in the Middle East, it's a pretty dry place. And so at the end of a day, after walking around and doing life or work or whatever you were doing, your feet would be pretty dirty and dusty and wouldn't feel, smell very good. 
And if you, um, if you were somebody, if you had some money or some status, or if you were a guest at somebody's house, what was typical, what a servant would wash your feet at the end of the day before dinner. We, we all have these sort of customs in different parts of the country or cultures. So, for example, when we lived in Canada, I learned pretty quickly that when you went to somebody's house, you would leave your shoes at the door. It was just part of what was expected. So let's pick it up in verse 6. Jesus came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. So Peter does not like this at all. It's, it's not because his feet are ticklish. It's not because he's embarrassed by his feet. Peter is indignant because he thinks it's beneath Jesus. He's saying, if anybody should be doing the washing, it should be me or, or one of the other, other guys here, one of the other disciples. Not you, Jesus. You're our leader. You're our rabbi. You are our Lord. But what does Jesus do? He sets an example for them. He expresses love. He sees an opportunity to serve and to express love, and he does it. And there is no act of service, no expression of love that's beneath Jesus. You know, a few years back on a Sunday morning, I saw an example of this. There's a guy in our church who serves here faithfully pretty much every Sunday. It's an important role. And on this day, on a Sunday morning, I went into the men's restroom and I noticed that one of the stalls to doors to the stall was open and I could tell that somebody was on their hands and knees. And so it concerned me. I thought maybe somebody had gotten sick or or they, or they were passed out, they'd passed out or fainted or something. So I I kind of carefully walked over there and kind of peeked around the corner and said, hey, is everything OK? And I I saw who it was and. And it was apparent that somebody before him had been violently ill. And there was just a huge mess over the toilet and the floor. And, and he had come upon this and he, he had seen it. And even though he had other responsibilities that he was supposed to be attending to, he sprung into action. He saw a need. And he dropped to his knees and he served. There was no act of service, expression of love that was beneath Jesus and his, his followers there should be no act of service which, should, which would be beneath ours. Pick it up at verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus sets the example for us. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, followers of Jesus called themselves Christians for, for centuries. And we call ourselves Christians because we want people to know that we follow Jesus. And that, that, we, that we affirm his, his values and his teachings and and his actions, and that we want to emulate those actions and values in the world around us. And if Jesus took time on his last night before going to the cross to serve and to set this example, then, then we should do the same. And we're not going to do this perfectly because we're not perfect people. We are far from that. But if we want to follow the example of Jesus and to be an encouragement to others around us when what's happening in our world, then we must see the needs around us the opportunities to express love, Christ's love, and to, uh, to do our best to meet them. And I know with this, the 30-day stay-at-home, it's going to be, there's some challenges, right, to do that. 
But we can pick up groceries for somebody. We can make phone calls. We can walk somebody's dog if they're physically unable. We can mow somebody's lawn. We can, we can just reach out to them and, and we can pray for them. Let them know we're praying for them. We can do all of that, certainly. Maybe be something simple to let them know, hey, you're going to make it through this. We're in this together, like putting a, a teddy bear up in your window or on your porch. Let's take a look now at verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So what, what did Jesus do? Jesus set an example for us here. He gives us a new command. And Jesus says that we are to express love through sacrificial service. Because that's what he did. I mean, if you take this, this idea, this concept of love, and you, and you place it on a lab table, and you're like, what, what is the love exactly? And you cut it open, you dissect it. What, is, what will you find? At the core, it's going to be sacrificial service. It's going to be putting the needs of somebody else before your own. I mean, because if you truly love somebody, it's not about what they can do for you. It's about what you can do for them. And so if we are, are to follow Jesus Christ... If we are to emulate his, his values and his actions, we must obey his new command and love others as he has first loved us. And that means sacrificial service. Glenwood Springs is uh, on I-70 west of Vale an hour or two. It's been a number of years since I've been there, but I've been there a couple of different times. It has two uh, claims to fame as far as I know. One is that it's supposedly the final resting place for the gunslinger Doc Holliday. The other claim to fame is that it claims to be the largest natural hot water spring in the whole state of Colorado. And the water is so hot at the spring that they have to cool it down to 105 degrees before you can get in. And, and I, I've, I've done that. The water is very relaxing. You just don't want to get out. But getting to this pool in the winter is, is kind of tricky. It's a challenge because you, you change clothes in a, in a warm dressing room and there's like a 50-foot walk or dash to the pool. And just as you prepare to open the door and brave the elements, there's a sign which wisely advises, take your towel with you. Take your towel with you. That's, that's a phrase which could be lifted right out of the pages of John chapter 13. Because it says this. So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Jesus was now ready to serve. He was now ready to to love them to the very end, to express love. So if we want to be like Jesus, if we're wondering what are we to do in the midst of all this, we're to look to Jesus to be our example, and we are to pick up our towel and take it with us wherever we go. Maybe you're going to be spending a lot more time with your family because of the stay-at-home directive. Take your towel with you. Serve your wife or your husband, your children, your parents. If you're allowed to go to work tomorrow, take your towel with you. There are going to be people there who are worried and stressed out and scared of, 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 of becoming ill with this coronavirus or, or scared about their finances or what's going to happen to their loved ones. So take your towel with you. As you drop off a meal or check in with somebody, let them know you care for them. Take your towel with you. Look to connect with those who around you who are isolated and who are worried and, and are looking for something to cling to, some sort of assurance that they're going to get through this. Let them know that we're in this together and take your towel with you. 
So we might ask, so what would Jesus do? Well, we know what Jesus would do as we look at what Jesus did. He loved people to the very end. He saw a need and expressed love, and there was no need, no act of service which was beneath him. And in all things, he thought of others before himself. And he expressed love by sacrificially serving others. So follow Jesus' example. Pick up your towel. And love others as Jesus has first loved us. Amen. Father, we come into your presence and we we know you're with us. And Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would would touch each person who is listening or watching, whether it's now or later, that they would know that you're with them, that that you are with us in the midst of this, and Lord, that you care and that you love. So Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to focus our eyes on Jesus, who is the the author and perfecter of our faith. Help us to look to Jesus for our example in the midst of this. To love others, to sacrifice, to make sacrifices and serve, Lord, and to, to take up our towel, to humble ourselves and to serve others. Lord, we pray for your protection upon our people today, your protection upon our community and our state and our world. And we pray, Lord, that, that through the midst of all this, you would redeem it in your, your incredible way, Lord, uh, that we would grow, come out of this on the other side with a deeper faith in you and a greater heart for others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.